You are in the kitchen of the White House. A table seems to have been used recently for the preparation of food. A passage leads to the west and a dark staircase can be seen leading upward. To the east is a small window which is open. You can't go that way. It is pitch black. You are likely to be eaten by a Gru. Oh, no. A fearsome Gru slithered into the room and devoured you. As you take your last breath, you feel relieved of your burdens. The feeling passes as you find yourself before the gates of hell, where the spirits jeer at you and deny you entry. Your senses are disturbed. Christopher Maverick, you can call me Mav, and I am here with the entire crew today. So Wayne's here. Hey Wayne. Hey, I'm back. And Katya. Yo. And Palindrome Hannah, all on the show today. Yep, I'm very excited to talk about Lewis Carroll. <laughs> yes, this is the all Lewis Carroll show. And no, please keep listening. It's not the all Lewis Carroll show. <laughs> hey, you all listen to an episode about that. <laughs> it's still popular anyway. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, this should actually be kind of interesting in an odd sort of way. It's going to be more interesting than the show we're actually talking about. (laughs) (laughs) If it's a show. If it's a show we're talking about and not some other experience. Well, I'll do it a different way. Normally, I wait to after the topic to do the guest, but I will introduce the guest first. That's fine. No. So we have David Lewis returning to the show. You were on our comic book syllabus show. Oh, yeah, I was. Welcome back. Thank you. And returning once again, we have Stephanie Seiler, my wife. Hey, Steph. Hello. Hi, Steph. <laughs> hey, everyone. Okay, so what brought this one on? This is the weird show. When you do a show like this or when you study in pop culture for a living and read stuff, and I'm going to assume that Katia and Wayne and Hannah also have this experience that I have all the time, which is anytime anything comes out that's like huge in the geekosphere, so to speak, Everybody just assumes that you have opinions on it. And people yep. come to you and they say, hey, Mav, what did you think of Bandersnatch? Bandersnatch is what we're talking about. You, you've you seen that, right? Or what did you think of Bird Box? Or what did you think of, insert, big cultural touchstone thing? Or the even better version of that is people suggested to be like, oh, you really need to check out this. And I was like, yes, let me add this to item 10,000, right. <laughs> like, billion of the things yes. I need to watch. Yeah, because, like, one thing that people don't necessarily understand, because they, you know, they say, you watch movies, you've clearly seen this, and then people are always surprised when they when they pick a movie that I haven't seen, because, um, it, for instance, it's a horror movie. I skip a lot of horror movies. If you listen to our, our slasher episode, that will be very evident. There's a lot of stuff that I just don't see, because... It's really hard for me to watch every movie and I try and it's really hard for me to read every comic book. Wayne, you work in a comic book store and people say, what are your current thoughts on Squirrel Girl? Right. <laughs> oh, I love Squirrel Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I scan a lot more than I actually read just so I have vague answers to some questions, but there's stuff yeah. I, never, I never look at. Just, yeah. I simply don't have the time even. But yeah, there. Bandersnatch is definitely one of those things. Yeah. 
everybody is like, clearly you're a big Black Mirror fan, Mav. And so what did you think of Bandersnatch? And I was like, nah, Mm -hmm. I've watched half of an episode of Black Mirror ever. I've not watched Bandersnatch. And people are like, well, clearly you love it. And it's like, well, maybe. Okay, I guess (laughs) I'll watch. So we're talking about Bandersnatch today, which um, I have. And I have many feels about. I feel like we all have feels about this. I have so many feels about Black Mirror. I have so many feels about Bandersnatch, but we're going to get into that. Yeah. So we all watched it. Everybody here watched it. David, you're you're kind of a special choice. But, yeah, I but, sort of watched <laughs> it. I mostly watched it. Well, well, yeah, we all tried and we figured we'd try to give our opinions on it. And for those who don't know, it's basically Bandersnatch is a choose your own adventure TV show that's been put out by or episode that's been of Black Mirror that's been put out by Netflix. And Black Mirror is a modern version of Twilight Zone-ish that tries to comment on... I would say a downgraded on, version of Twilight Zone, mainly just because I yeah. really, 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 really love Twilight Zone, but that's my own particular shtick. A tech-heavy uh, <laughs> tech version of yeah. Twilight Zone. It's trying to comment on the internet age. Right, and it's in a very sort of like cynical, try-hard kind of way. We'll yeah. put it that way. And Bandersnatch <laughs> is like one of Netflix's new interactive episodes. Um, they've done this before with kid stuff like Puss in Book which is Puss mm-hmm. in Boots from Shrek's like spinoff where you have basically 10 seconds to make a choice and you have a character, whether it's uh, Stefan or Stefan. I don't know how they say his name because they kept changing Stefan. In Bandersnatch or Puss in Puss in Boot book, uh, you control what they do. And some decisions are small mm-hmm. and some of them are big. Yeah. And this is the first sort of like choose your own adventure episode for grownups that they've made. But there's others that are currently slated. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but Netflix seems to be wanting to make this a regular feature of some of their series. Um, so it's not exclusive to Black Mirror by any means. But it does seem particularly suited to Black Mirror's particular... <sighs> there's like no way I'm going to say nice things about this TV show. It just annoys <laughs> me to no end. And I like... I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit. There are some really great episodes of Black Mirror that I really enjoy. I find it one of the most inconsistent TV shows that I've ever watched. And I say that largely because I think that they come up with some really interesting concepts, but they like the consistency of how they actually follow through on them is kind of, I don't know. It's just, it's just not consistent and it's not there. And it's really kind of sad. Um, and Bandersnatch for me is like the peak expression of that. (laughs) (laughs) Do they have different writers for the different episodes or how does that work? Do you know? Um, Yes, we do. I I was just looking that up before the show, it turns out. And there are, including the, the Bandersnatch (laughs) film, there are 20 episodes of Black Mirror so far. The seasons are very short. And of those 20 episodes, like 15 of them were written by the same guy. Right. And then, and then he, like he is co-wrote he, one. Right. I was going to say, is he just being, is he just the lead writer or is he writing them entirely? He's, he's, he appears to be, he's the only credited writer on like 14 of them. He okay. co-wrote one and then like the other four or five are just written by other people. And oh, it's, boy. so it's mostly a guy named Charlie Brooker I mean, who appears to be, like, now I don't know if the creator of the show. Yeah. Um, right. And one of the co-showrunners. So, I mean, it's his, clearly it's his vision. Right. right. So there totally could be a writer's room that he just doesn't reference on his Wikipedia page. Got it. I mean, I, or, mean, I mean, he probably didn't write the Wikipedia page either. So. Sure. So it turns out most of us were not necessarily fans of the series. I said, I don't really watch it. Yeah, I watched like two or three episodes of the first season and just, and I, I do, I like some you know, horror books and novels and, and movies and it just I don't know it just it didn't grab me 
And mm-hmm. I, I can't even put my finger on why it some of it just felt forced, I guess. I don't know. We were talking about this a little bit before the show. But like for me, I think the thing that I find really frustrating is that we already said like it is trying to do sort of like the Twilight Zone for the modern age, which like I'm really into that. I was actually really excited when when Black Mirror came out because Twilight Zone was one of my favorite TV shows. But it's very heavy handed and moralistic. And like basically, again, something we said before the show, but like it's the, I think Mav, you said this was like, it's the distillation of like the internet, like the internet, I don't know, quirk that basically cynicism is the new smart. Yeah. Um, or at least it thinks that it is. Yeah. Yeah. It wants to comment to people who already agree with it saying, Hey, here's this thing that I noticed. Isn't it awful? And everybody says, yeah, that's yeah. deep, you know, but it's not. I, that, that's a good way of putting it. I, Cause I, I haven't talked about the show to anybody cause I didn't watch enough of it to, to really pay attention. But that, I think that kind of sums up how I felt it. I don't know. It, I, maybe cynicism is part of the horror genre, but something about it just didn't work. Well, and for it's me. not really horror. Right. I think it's the thing is yeah. it's like it's it's trying to do that like weird tales kind of thing that Twilight Zone does, and it can't. I don't know. It just never gets there, and I think it's because it foregrounds the moralistic argument and the cynicism, like the the cynicism, so much more. Whereas like the Twilight Zone was a like did definitely have that, but it was also about like let's come up with this weird concept and basically follow it through to its like weird conclusion. And there are episodes of black mirror that do that. And I think those are the best episodes where they sort of, there's still the sort of moralistic critical element, but it's more about following curiosity Mm -hmm. and sort of letting the cynicism sort of like fall away. Because to me, that was what was so great about the twilight zone and about the pulp era, like science fiction and horror, like genres that it riffs off of. Not to get too far off topic, but I do wonder if the new Jordan Peele twilight zone is going to tilt towards the black mirror cynicism or get back to a Rod Serling roots or, or tap into Peele's own race view and, and power dynamics. Yeah, he's been given free reign with it from what I understand, and he's going to be the showrunner. So I imagine it's going to be Jordan Peele of Get Out does The Twilight Zone, yeah. which I'm I'm interested I'm in. I'm excited about that. And, I have, but, if, yeah, I have much higher hopes for that than at this point I have for Black Mirror. Look, I, I mean, like, like Jordan Peele, uh, John Krasinski, which I didn't really like A Quiet Place that much, but they have roots in comedy, and mm-hmm. I feel like comedy and horror have yeah. this really interesting overlap that makes mm-hmm. it not totally depressing and awful and comedy and horror mm-hmm. get out some of the same topics just from a different type of genre but black mirror has no comedy whatsoever in it <laughs> it, it tries sometimes but it does that like cringy uncomfortable humor that's just not actually funny but it's also british I mean, so I, I don't know. I watch a lot of British yeah, television. Yeah. Like, come on. No, you're I, I, not I, don't mean, I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, it's just, it's not trying to do comedy the way Twilight Zone did, though. And I don't no, know. No, totally. But it's also, it's also not trying to do British. I mean, it's also, it's, it's not yeah, trying it's to not do British comedy either. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think it's like, yeah, I, I think, I think, Mav, you had it right, where it's like, I think the thing that's so frustrating to Black Mirror is it, is abs- it, it, it relies too much on cynicism. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that that has to completely not be in the show in order for it to be good. But like, there has to be something else because much like the internet, if you're just running on cynicism, it just becomes unpleasant. So, <laughs> Bandersnatch. Back to Bandersnatch. So, Bander- yeah, so, we, 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 so for those of you... You're right, we should at least explain what, what the premise is and how it works. Yeah, so Bandersnatch is about a young programmer named Stefan. Is that the pronunciation we're going with? Sure. 
Sure. Uh, who, like the character from SNL, right? That's <laughs> yes. yes. Exactly, okay. exactly like that. Um, and, exactly like and that. His, <laughs> and he has a difficult relationship. Oh, the closing bumper for the show might be Stefan, the oh, other God. Stefan. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. So, so Stefan is a young uh, programmer who is designing a choose-your-own-adventure-esque video game based on a choose-your-own-adventure-esque novel called Bandersnatch that he found in his uh, deceased mother's things. He has a difficult relationship. Set in the 80s, yeah. by the way. I think yeah. that's an important point. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah the show yeah. is set in the 80s. Well, yeah, the novel, I think, is come, the novel that, like, which is a fictional, like, a fictional novel in the sense that it is fictional, but also it is fictional within the world of the show. Mm-hmm. Did I explain that right? Anyway. Um, it's in the diegesis of the show. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> the school world, it, it is fictional in the context of the fictional show. So ah. di- so things that are diegetic are things that the characters in the fiction that you're watching, it's their reality they perceive. The best way, it's actually an important thing for people listening to the show. Um, the best our, way that I can think of to expl- yeah, yeah, that I can explain it, if I'm watching a movie, there are two kinds of music. There's diegetic music and there's non-diegetic music. Diegetic music is music that the characters on the show can hear. Non-diegetic music is music that we hear that is just there to increase the suspense of the scene or whatever. So if people are playing a radio, that's diegetic sound. If a novel exists in their world, that is a diegetic novel mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, for instance, you, like we know that Moby Dick's a, 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 a novel, but the characters, you know, Quique and, and Ishmael don't know that Moby Dick's a, a, a novel. So. I think Ishmael deep down knows. Let's save that for the Moby Dick show. show. <laughs> uh, can we please do one? Anyway, but yeah, so the yeah the no, the novel I think is roughly from the seventies, and then the maybe even sixties. It's hard to say. Yeah. yeah, the show itself takes place in the eighties, which is significant in the sense that that is sort of like the emergence of video game culture and sort of like the era in which you switch over from text-based video games where like, basically it's like you walk into a room, like, are you going to go North, East, South? And you're sort of like, I don't know. Um, You've been eaten by a group. Right. And and this is where like graphics. Oh, dysentery. (laughs) Hey man. Oh, Oregon trail. So many, so many fun childhood memories. And so this is the moment in some ways, a TV show is about the moment where you switch over from text-based games to visual RPGs because the game he's designing is based on the shoes of your adventure novel is one where you're not actually putting text inputs, you're clicking buttons to make choices. Mm-hmm. So whereas older video games that are sort of the text-based RPGs, you're typing out commands. This one, you're pushing buttons on screen, which was a huge revolution in video game yep. design, which was actually a real thing. And in many respects, Bandersnatch is trying to do the same thing with, streaming television because as you're going through the show roughly like every i would i mean it it sort of changes at the show but every i would say 30 seconds to a few minutes you're you the viewer are being presented with a choice some of them are really banal like are you going to choose i think it's like frosted wheaties or kellogg's whatever sugar puffs right to have for breakfast or later it's like are you going to kill your father um And some choices. Those are essentially the same choice. Definitely. I think it needs to be pointed out that, and this is important, I think, for discussion later. Stefan feels increasingly as you go through the show that he's being controlled by an outside force. Uh, Right. He has. So basically his mother, his mother has died and this has given him a range of, shall we say, mental health difficulties. And Mm -hmm. 
So he's seeing a therapist and things like that. So he already, it's like established from the beginning. He has a level of anxiety and paranoia, Mm -hmm. which is only heightened by the fact that basically he's picking up on the fact that he's quote unquote being controlled by the viewer. And there are opportunities for the viewer to basically make choices that actually communicates this to Stefan and then interesting things ensue. Interesting is a strong word. Can I also just add the point that the choices that you make aren't immediately clear what import they'll have, right? I mean, you mentioned the picking the cereal, right? And you'd think that's a pretty mundane decision or picking a mixtape, mm-hmm. but it could affect the whole trajectory of the story. Right. And we not find out till much later. Well, right. yeah. So each decision you make in like in the both the plot of the show, but then also pretty quickly you pick this up as you're playing it. Each decision you make basically sets you on a different decision tree. And occasionally the show, basically, if you find a sort of dead end in the decision mm-hmm. tree, it will send you back to make a different choice. So you actually right. end up rewatching significant parts of the show over and over and again. I also found in, in replaying yes. some things, they presented you with different choices your next time through, which, which I found interesting. Right. I mean, and the thing that I think is interesting about this is it's trying to sort of do this cross genre thing of video games with streaming television, which I think is inter- like is interesting, even though it's not really new. I mean, in some ways, they're just doing a televised version of those 1980s video games, which I think they're based on the plot of the, the, the plot they've chosen. They're fairly well aware of. I think that they think it's as revolutionary, which I would disagree with. But that's a different story. Well, I want to go down that path a little bit, because so this was one of the reasons I wanted to do the show was right there. I was interested in Bandersnatch at all, as opposed to saying I don't care about the show, which is how I felt about Black Mirror, right. because I was a fan of choose your own adventure books when I was like seven, you know, when I, when I was a little kid, I liked those books and I liked the concept of, Hey, let's move this to television that I'm watching Mm -hmm. and let's see if we can do something interesting with this. And I was conceptually interested in the project of Bandersnatch in practice. I didn't love it all that much. Well, I think the problem is they didn't actually make a choose your own adventure TV show. And they definitely right. didn't because, because it's a trademark by the Choose Your Own Adventure Company. We might talk about that later. They're being sued by it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Link in the show notes. <laughs> yes. Because so I, I know a couple of us have the same feeling of like they didn't actually make a Choose Your Own Adventure thing because so like, I mean, I approach this from a video game perspective and especially because it's playing on some of the tropes of video games. There's multiple sort of like design rules that they've sort of ignored that I think actually in this venue, even though it's not a video game, should apply. Like there's the idea that you should have meaningful choices. Like Dave mentioned, a lot of the choices you make don't necessarily have obvious connections to what's going on. And so you can't actually, as a player, quote unquote, or a viewer, figure out what decisions you want to make. And so actually the choices seem entirely meaningless. Mm -hmm. And there are game designers who do high concept games that also ignore this and are able to do really interesting things with it. But I don't think that this was the right place to do it, especially because the other reason I think they failed the choose your own adventure sort of idea is it keeps very obviously trying to push you back onto a certain trajectory. Like there is clearly a quote unquote, right ending, mm-hmm. in which well, case it's certainly not, a right path. Yeah. There's a right. path they want you to follow. And right. And so, and especially the fact that it automatically will send you back if you hit a dead end, like that's not a choose your own adventure. So there's also a third thing that needs to be mentioned about choose your own adventure esque things like, uh, choose your own adventure novels are written in the second person. 
The Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventure-esque novels I played as a kid were also in second person. A lot of the video games, uh, mm-hmm. even Oregon Trail, are in uh, the second person. So they, you know, it reads you. You are the main character. You're the protagonist. Whereas these interactive Netflix right. things, including Puss in Book and Bandersnatch, you are controlling someone. And, and you can also, you like, depending on what choices you make, you also, like, become a character and can communicate that you're helping or not mm-hmm. helping. But but you are controlling someone else's choices instead of it being you making decisions for yourself. It is a third person narrative. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is also true of novels and many other art forms, but in video games, like that basically creates a sort of emotional and conceptual wall between the player and the character they're supposed to be quote unquote playing as, which is even greater here because it's not even like you're playing as Stefan. You're just doing shit. You're basically yes. torturing him. More or less. Yeah. Can I just jump Thank in and you. say that I actually enjoy the fact that it's a third person yeah, ahead, concept fine. because like I don't like video games for one <laughs> one reason is because like I get too anxious when I play them. <laughs> so like kind of distancing myself from that and actually allows me to enjoy it more than being involved in the action. Yeah, I, I have a real tough time reading second person anything. Now, and you, know, you talked about making choices for him. Like some of the choices, you're talking about it, it dragging you down certain ways. Sometimes there was no good choice. Like you say, they were forcing you. It's like I throw tea on the computer or I destroy my computer. Like first time I had yeah. that choice, it was you, I, I, well, right. I, can throw, I throw tea on the computer or I bang my fist on the table. Second time I went through that, my choices were essentially to destroy the computer one of two ways. Right. Right. Well, and sometimes this is the other thing that is also frustrating that also I think prevents the choose your own adventure kind of thing is that often you would make a choice and that actually wouldn't be the thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like like that throwing the tea on the computer, he resists that. And it's not actually what he does. And it's like, Okay, I get why they're doing that for the purposes of the TV show and the plot, but it's also like, why am I pushing buttons if you're not actually like, I mean, this is, I mean, again, video game principles. Well, I actually have a thought there too, because I, my issue with it was just from a conceptual point, from, from a game design point, whether you're talking about a video game or even just a regular choose your own adventure, the book, Mm -hmm. like a, like a old school paperback. When you're building a game tree, a decision tree like that. Yes, it matters whether or not you choose uh, sugar puffs or, or frosted flakes, and that might affect something later. And it does. And that's fine. But the reason the sugar puffs or frosted flakes decision works in the context of that show is because the second you choose it, you immediately get to see him eat sugar puffs or frosted flakes. If I'm playing Zork, if I'm playing any old school choose your own adventure style text based game, it you know I walk into the room and it says there is a door on the east and on the west. What do you want to do? And I say go east, and I get to see my character go to the east or read my character going to the east, and I know something happens. In this, there were many decisions that I am not aware of the immediate ramifications of. It's okay for them to affect later, to have later ramifications, fine. But in order to feel a sense of control over the narrative, I need to know that it matters right now that I went north or south. It matters that I went east or west. And that's the principle of meaningful interactivity. Um, Right. And I don't have that in this show. And it it irritated the hell out of me. One of the interesting things I thought about about the show, but also like the idea that keeps like forcing you down trees and not making decisions is even when Stefan is like demoing the game the original time, 
and Colin. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, I want to worship the weird Pax guy. And he's like, no, you can't. He's the evil guy. Like, even in the plot of the show, there's this resistance to the idea of you have to go down the decision tree that the creator wants you to, which I think is like an interesting nod to the fact that video games in general are always, you're only ever operating within the parameters given to you, even when they do a really good job of creating the illusion of choice. But it breaks the illusion, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, it, it right. puts you in a... It puts you in a no man's land where you're not operating like an RPG, where you're a player in charge of a character. And, and you're not operating like a novel where you are enjoying a mystery unfold. You're you are pretending that you're controlling the mystery and you're not. And if you're aware of it, I found it upsetting. Right. Like there are games that I can like think of that like Heavy Rain is one of them where you have a lot of decision tree. Like there's a lot of decision trees and the question of whether or not you understand what your decisions actually like how they affect later outcomes. Like that's a game where like the fact that you aren't control and everything is unpredictable is part of the engagement. And it's not about breaking the illusion. It's about pointing out the fact that this is basically an element of everyday life, or at least that's how I play that game. Whereas this, I think, was trying to do that, I think, but it did it in a way that made the experience of the show itself really annoying. So, Steph, you liked the show. Mm-hmm. Okay, why? Because it was different, mostly, I think. Okay, but but to be fair, I mean, I don't play that many. Katia who clearly has the most hatred of the show <laughs> plays more, plays more video yeah, games than, I think anybody, it's related to that, than anybody else. Oh, absolutely. And you probably play the fewest yes. of anybody else yes. on the show. So to you, maybe the novelty. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I've never, I don't play, like, I, like you said, I don't really play, I play, I don't play any like role playing video games. I play games, you know, like old people do <laughs> so, like words with friends and things like that, that aren't like interactive, but well, yeah, like I said, are, like the words with friends is interactive. That's what I was getting at. Okay. Well, not like, it's not putting yourself into a worldly situation. You're not being right. asked to identify with what's happening on screen. Yeah. yeah. But on words with friends, you have absolute total. I mean, you have total control in that you have seven letters to work with, but you affect an infinite decision tree in words with friends. The game has no decision over as to whether or not you, if you have C A T D O G and X, you can play cat or you can play dog. I think the reason that I enjoy playing those video games, again, I've referred to this in like, past broadcast, but I have like a very hyperactive nervous system. <laughs> I get stressed out easily. And when I feel like like danger, dangerous situations, I don't like being in dangerous situations. And That's I feel, you, you know, there's no danger in playing words with friends. Uh, right. so okay. I have a question though, because it's like, I think for, based on what you said about like why you like the show, it's that like the, the, I mean, the difference to me between the, between words with friends and something like Bandersnatch is that the decision trees and words of friends, which I, I wouldn't really call decision trees, but I get what Mav's getting at. Right. It's don't not have, quite, not the same they way. don't have moral or ethical content. They don't have meaning in the way that like an RPG has. Like you're saying that that, right. like, it's, that like causes anxiety, which I totally get. I just kind of enjoy that anxiety. Right. Mm-hmm. Words, of, words of friends isn't a planned decision tree, but it's a it is a nigh infinite possibilities because it's, right. you know, however. But, but like there's no ramifications. The, the question I have for Steph is the fact that you're basically torturing and I get that it's a fictional TV show, but like it's asking you to basically torture this person like that's not anxiety inducing. Oh, uh, well, 
it wasn't because I always chose like the least torturous route for him. <laughs> no, like there, there's no way. There escape. were no good choices. Yeah, like like that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, I do understand it's fiction too. And like I said before, like if I'm playing a game and it's like first person, that's different for me than it is like controlling someone else on the screen. Well, I can distance myself Jeff more is totally from that willing person. to be the god it, it, from above. Yeah, I'm a little bit more it, it started out with more benign. <laughs> it started out with more benign choices, but as time moved on, those choices were taken away from you. It, it, the game kind of forced us to torture him. If yeah, you made mm-hmm. the, the yeah, decision. it did get it did get annoying in the, those places and, and for me when it was between yeah hitting killing his father yeah. and you know doing right. something else. And, and Steph, Steph, maybe you can speak to this as well. One of the things that, that I thought of in you know like the background of psychology, the whole idea of you know, test design and you know, the idea of a forced and you know like what, what's the phrase I'm looking for? There, there's a forced choice. Forced decisions. Yeah, forced decision test. Push polling. Right. Instance, yeah. yeah, right. It's exactly, you know, um, how did you murder your wife? You know, not did you, but how did you? Those types of tests are in, in psychology or, or any type of testing, you know, academics or whatever. It skews the results because you mm-hmm. can't give an actual choice. You have to give pick one of the things that they've chosen for you. Well, so spoilers for Bandersnatch, if you haven't figured that out yet. Um, so, again, I've now read the entire decision tree. So there are ways that you might not you might never get to this cho- to this choice. But assuming you get to the choice where you're doing acid with Colin, mm-hmm. you have a well, actually. And first off, there's a couple things. There is it asks you if you want to do acid with Colin. And if you say no, he drugs you anyway. So it is, as Katya said, it's forcing a decision tree. So, yeah. um, I'm, so first off, I'm curious, who chose to do acid with Colin? Did you? Totally stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Acid. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even get there. Yeah, I didn't get there either. And partially I did that because I could tell like, okay, this is going to be the more interesting decision tree. Yeah, right. Like yeah. this so, is what it wants well, you yeah. to but do. But it's not, it's not. So Hannah and Hannah and Dave, you guys, presumably when they asked if you want to follow Colin or you want to go to your psychologist, you went to your psychologist. I did because it's the healthy thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I, like we, we should, we, we can talk about this later because this is not the point, but I just have a huge problem with how they presented mental illness and yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that might also be an issue. Yeah. But yeah, but my, but my problem with my problem with that is, is so exactly that, though, you're given at least in the do you want to follow Colin or do you want to keep your shrink appointment? At least there is a healthy choice. And half of us chose or actually uh, two out of, of six of us chose the healthy choice. And the other four were like, oh, I'm following the dude. Yeah. 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 Well, so, and, and, part of the reason I, I get that is because if you were watching a movie, that's what would have yeah, happened. And, and that's it. it. In terms of narrative story, that seemed the more interesting choice to me. Mm-hmm. It seemed like that's where the solution to his current mm-hmm. problem existed. In Actually, so having read the entire decision tree, that choice is important. The choice of whether you follow Colin or you go to your shrink can vastly affect the rest of the game. And you have no way of knowing that until way later. It basically I mean, forks off the Mav, six and Mav, yeah. Mav, can I can I interrupt and I'm just I'm noticing how we're like sliding mm-hmm. terms all over the place mm-hmm. and it's kind of fascinating. We're slipping between calling this a show, a game yeah. A decision tree. And I don't know which it is I yet. Mean, when, I, I don't mean, know that we're going to figure it out I by mean, the end of the day. We're not, not going to resolve it. And I think it's failing in each each time we try well, one of those on, it, it kind I mean, of fails. It doesn't do a good job of like any of them. The, the, the criteria of games that I use, I don't think this is a game. I think it's yeah. trying <laughs> it's trying to play off of elements of all of these things. And like, but I don't like I don't think it's 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 it. I don't know if I would say fails, but it it, it it's it, halfway it, making it all of these. Well, yeah, it ignores the criteria of so many of these genres and 
which it's, it's clearly intentionally trying to do. It's not trying to be any one of these three things, but I think it, where it kind of falls apart is it didn't actually put elements of those, th- those things in a way that made sense to make a mm-hmm. new thing. Cause I think that's, I mean, I think that they were trying to make something at least was a new version of something that's already been done. And I'm not sure that they succeeded in doing that right. because they ignored the principles that make the other version effective without yes. actually substituting new principles to make this version, this version effective. Okay. So you can go to the psychologist or you can follow Colin. Now, once you decide to follow Colin, he says, Hey, you want to do some acid? And you can say yes or no. And if you say yes, the story continues. If you say no, Colin slips acid into your drink and then the story continues exactly where it would have if you'd said yes. Nothing changes. It is irrelevant what you pick. Now, the next thing that happens is Colin in your tripping balls and basically you're standing, you know, on a ledge and he says, hey, do you want to jump or do you want me to jump? Who said to make Colin jump? Who said to make me jump? I told Colin to jump because yeah. he was annoying me. Yeah, I, 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 I jumped. I, I jumped myself. <laughs> and and Matt and I talked about this the story earlier. My reasoning for that is I've read enough fiction and psychology and philosophy that whole idea of a leap of faith that that you you mm-hmm. do that and great things will be revealed to you. Mm-hmm. I was all Actually, about that. Actually, it's more accurately uh, translated as a leap into faith. Yeah, yeah. But, but no, no, sorry, that, that was a good place Ooh. joke. Actually, uh, that was like yeah. two levels. <laughs> anyway, I'm not just being a Kierkegaard <laughs> snob. But, but Thank yeah, you, Chidi. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it, it, it was very much you know that was a narrative choice I made based on. Mm-hmm my definition of what that term means in a narrative. And instead well, I crushed, I, I, you know, I, I died on a dumpster right. the, in the alley. Keep going back to this idea of like, some of us make these choices because these are the choices that we want to make because we don't want to make shitty choices. And then other of us, the other reason we like many of us, especially I think Wayne and I are making choices is based on narrative. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's yeah. What I was doing. and that's the other thing that I think is frustrating about yes. this show is because that the idea of being able to sort of like create your own narrative is part of what is the point of a choose your own adventure Mm -hmm. story or game or whatever you want to call it. And this show refuses to actually let you do that. When he, when they gave me that choice, I was like, fuck yes, I'm jumping. I want to see him fly and you jump and you fall to your death. And then it says that was stupid. Go back and choose the other one. Right. And, and I'm like, well, why well, did you even and ask that, me? That entire decision tree, if you choose Colin or if you choose yourself, it sends you back anyway. Right. And you there's go back no to, there's way no to end choose that. that. There's no yeah. way to follow Colin and continue with the story. It will always right. send you back. You have to go to the therapist. Yeah. Right. And it's like, this oh, is not a choose well, your own adventure story. You can't. Yeah, and, you well, if no, Colin, well, if Colin, if you, if you, it, it actually is slightly different. That's what I was saying. If you choose to kill Colin, like if you choose to have Colin jump, then it it does send you back to the therapist, as you were saying, but the right, therapist. Like remember. That, no, well, not only do you remember the endings that you, Wayne and I and Steph followed after Colin dies and we're at the therapist. It is a very similar but not the same story as Hannah and Dave got when they went to the therapist. It's actually a forked tree. Even if you go to the therapist, you like get sent back to like depend like very quickly right. ended for me because I like. You, you get end up quickly with a choice uh, whether or not to take uh, your new prescription or to flush them out the toilet. And because uh-huh. I wanted to make oh, the see, choices. I got the one where either way you couldn't take the pills. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, you yeah, throw them in the trash. Right. Or you you flush, flush them, them or you throw them th- 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 in the trash. And mm-hmm. yeah, so like yeah. I, I could take them, but as soon as I took them, I was sent back to the therapist's office to re get the pills. So I had to flush them. Uh, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. It, you know, it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like there was no way to like make healthy choices. And it just played on the mm-hmm. same like paranoid, you know, stereotypes that we see in like a lot of like horror thrillers mm-hmm. when it comes yeah, I, saw, I mean the story as a whole is actually like which i think is actually kind of surprising for what they were trying to do the story as a whole is quite predictable mm-hmm. like which i find kind of confusing because it's like how did you make something with so many decision trees that nonetheless feels like once you kind of get into it it's very, like you know what's gonna happen more or less and i'm like this is really frustrating Matt, is this a good point for me to do my my personal reveal yeah so there's a specific reason why i invited dave on the show today and that was because yeah <laughs> well, that was because and this is why i didn't introduce why for dave earlier because i wanted to bring it up here as the you know the the, the sudden surprise twist yeah yeah well or a bandersnatch or at least what it tries to do so dave when i posted the blog nicole friend of the show said have you seen this article which i had and i opted not to link in the blog post because i didn't want anybody to read it unless they had just done so of their own but dave wrote an article about bandersnatch and his experience with watching it that uh pause here and google yeah. if you want the full oh, it's linked in the show notes for this episode okay so Dave, okay, good, what is your article good. called uh why I, I believe i called it why i can't play netflix's bandersnatch mm-hmm. and i originally read it because when i first tried to play bandersnatch it literally wouldn't work on my <laughs> apple tv yeah. and i'm just like fuck <laughs> this is annoying and then I, I had to play it on my playstation which involved updating the netflix software on my playstation because i hadn't done that in a long time just like this is really irritating but i'm dedicated to the show and to you listener so <laughs> leave us a five-star review because i do this for you but anyway so I, that's why i read dave's article i was like oh let me see if he has solutions as to how to make bandersnatch play and that is not what your article yeah, I, is about at I all clickbaited <laughs> you on that the title was, yes, you, was yes, purposely you did. <laughs> clickbaity um yeah i basically wrote that i um i played bandersnatch up till the therapist point up until uh up until there so i had only had to make roughly five real decisions uh, along the way not not including stuff like what cereal do you want five substantive ones yes and when he and and again i thought i was going to be so into bandersnatch not only because i love choose your own adventure i love role-playing games i love video games especially ones that make you make moral choices i love what was called the lone wolf series of books where it was a combination of rpg and choose your own adventure blended into one i was totally down for this and then during the psychologist scene when he starts talking about how he feels controlled. And he's referring to having mental problems. They're indistinct at that moment. That we can't mm-hmm. know what they are. I said, shit, I have to stop. <laughs> I have to stop watching this. I have to stop making decisions for this guy. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't like a any good person would stop here. That's not at all what the purpose of my article was or, or what I'm saying now. But I sort of saw the position I was in. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting entertainment value. 
from this. I, to go back to the point that was made earlier, I did feel like I was torturing him already. Mm-hmm. And I sort of forecasted ahead that this is my chance to get out of the game right here before it's too late, you know, before, <laughs> before I'm going to push him down avenues or just be a path hunter. Not even mm-hmm. care about the character. Just try to figure out how to unlock this. So ultimately, I stopped playing right there. <laughs> I the, the choice I made, the biggest choice I made was to, you know, close the book and leave him to his own devices. <laughs> so, yeah, in Dave's happy ending, Stefan goes to his therapist and then he, you know, he works on himself and, and, and he's lives free. happily ever after. He's free. Yeah, I, 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 I think your version is the best version. Yeah, I, his <laughs> God or his whatever, his controlling force lets him go. The, the thing that like really creeped me out actually about Puss in Book and I realized Which is delightful, by the way. Yeah. Like you're more of a character up front in Puss in Book. Like you are like the reader who is tasked with helping Puss escape the book that he's trapped in by the author of the book. But there was a point where I reached a choice where it was like, you know, you're playing through fairy tales. So they cast a character that Puss does not get along with as like Snow White. And your choices were to kiss this character he doesn't like and he protests against or go see the evil queen. And obviously I mm-hmm. chose to go see the evil queen, but like I had it, right. that choice right there just like really eliminated me, it, even like in something that's supposed to be for kids that mm-hmm. you could coerce a character into doing something he does not consent. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't click that choice. So I don't know if he actually like had to do it or not or how Netflix played that because it made me uncomfortable. Yeah, nor do I. I was all about the yeah. evil queen anyway. So and she was a cute cat. So <laughs> it was cool. Who is, who is I, it? Think I, I think what I want to I want to especially point out, though, here is, you know, I, I I'm not, quote unquote, a snowflake. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind playing these games or, oh, oh, I, I, I can't possibly make my ultimate character fight again. How cruel that is of me. But when I had a character explicitly stating, right, that he was feeling the influence, that he didn't like the influence. I mean, similar to what you said about Puss in Book. Uh, that gripped me. That actually yeah. gave me more of an experience well, that I'm hearing other people have with playing through Bandersnatch. Yeah, that's what upset me about Bandersnatch. And I think that that's, and I think in, in many ways, I mean, sort of what I was talking about about Black Mirror as a whole, is I think that that was also, I actually had a similar kind, I kept playing it because I felt like I had to for this mm. purpose of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of another controlling force in my yep. life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am a puppet yeah, master. To be honest, that's hey, why I complain. No, I probably would have like dropped it after the first, like pro- probably even earlier. But especially that one, it's like, okay. And, and this also goes to the questions that Hannah raised about like the representation of mental illness, which we can get into. But what was it? Oh, God, I just lost my train of thought. Jesus. Someone somewhere just clicked a choice on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Brain fart or continue talking. (laughs) And once again, so this almost got edited out. (laughs) Until you said that. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, well, I, I found I found the the stuff you're talking about, Dave. I toward the the end of of whatever choices I was making, Stefan was having that whole thing of I feel like I'm being controlled, and I felt interested in the okay, the character is going to start rebelling against me, the person making the choices. That's interesting. How does that play out? And then it never did. 
Right. Doesn't happen. Well, oh, that's what I was going to say, because I think that that scene, like, I remember it's actually in my, it's now that I'm looking at my notes, it's actually in my notes. That scene was the moment of like, oh, here's where the heavy handed black mirror thing is going to come in of let us yeah. now judge the viewer, despite the fact that, because this is my, this is, this is the reason why I think Bandersnatch is especially annoying to me, aside from all of the sort of like ways that it, like as, as a genre, it sort of fucks up is that <laughs> it basically, the show wants to push you into self-criticism and judgment. And this is also true of many other episodes of Black Mirror, not just Bandersnatch. It wants to shove you into this like self-critical judgment mode, but especially in this one, it wants to do that because it's manipulating you into making decisions that make you do horrible things. I wonder mm-hmm. actually if this wasn't branded as a Black Mirror movie and if I hadn't watched Black Mirror before and already had the tone of Black Mirror in my head, if I would have made the mm-hmm. choice to bail where I did. Right. I mean, I think what you're saying yeah. is I may have already been tipped off to this is not going to go well. I knew it wasn't going to go well without watching oh, the show. Absolutely. I mean, we we as viewers were being controlled yeah. by the choices, the, the forced choices we were given as much as we were controlling the character. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that, that is that is a path, um, sort of. Yeah. Right. Because I, I didn't go exactly down this path, but I, I got to the point where one, actually, uh, when I told him to throw tea over the computer toward when I got to like the sort of like actual Indian instead of just being sent back, even though they tried to send me back again, I, I had him try to throw tea and he resisted that, which was probably the most upsetting scene for me to watch because he was definitely trying to... Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'm yeah. sorry, yeah, Stefan. And then like, uh, you had a choice whether to tell him if you were like a viewer from Netflix yeah. or not. So like, I explained to him that like... Which I just thought was like this yeah. so yeah, annoying. Yeah. So, Advertising. So I, so I explained <laughs> right. it no, exactly. and then like it played out to the end where he is an actor on a show who ends up believing that he's Stefan, but like there actually seems to be like an ending where someone is creating like a show for Netflix and then their life also is in that being yes. controlled too. So like, it's like this cycle of everyone is being controlled over and over again. Right. That's the ending I got first. So Steph, you right. got yeah. Hannah's ending, right? You yeah, got, that's right. You got the ending where Stefan is an actor on a show. I got that in the first, first one too. Yeah. My first ending was actually, uh, Stefan kills everybody and goes to jail. And 20 something years later, Colin's daughter, now grown up, is working for an unnamed software company rumored to have a deal with Netflix on a remake of the game Bandersnatch as an interactive streaming service. So she's working on this show and you see her, but then you ultimately end up controlling her as well. I wish that you could hear the amount of eye rolling that's happening. (laughs) (laughs) My my first ending when I got through it was the the dad takes Steph on back to Dr. Haynes' office and you have that conversation but you feel like someone's controlling you and it's a story with Netflix and whatever and the doctor says well you, mm-hmm. if, if your life is a story shouldn't it be more dramatic and you have the choice to make it more <gasps> dramatic and it turns into this weird Kill Whoa. Bill type fight scene in the office be- yeah, yes. that was the one where it turns out he's on a TV show that Hannah and I got. Yeah, there's two ways for that. You can either play the Kill Bill fight scene out for real, or you can be an actor. It's weird. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and and then this the one mine was played mm-hmm. out for real. So yeah, so I actually wanted to explore this because this is something I was talking with Steph about. You explore this this decision tree. Yeah, I want to destroy, explore this path <laughs> yes. a little bit. Uh, <laughs> One of the problems we have with, and this is like sort of what Dave was getting at, like Dave, you know, Kobayashi marooed the, the story. Yay. He was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting that on my wall somewhere. I'm going to quote I was going to say, that. I would put that on your resume. <laughs> yeah, I will take that. But, 
but no, you did because one of the one of the things that I had about it, my flaw, and I, I know I know at least Katia did this. I am a big enough nerd that as I was playing the show, I kept track of every decision I made. I, I wrote down choice one and here's what I did. Choice two, here's what I did. Before I knew where the decision tree map was, I had just wrote down every choice I was making because I wanted to, I thought, what if I want to go back there through it again and do the opposite, which I did not have to actually do, luckily, because I didn't enjoy myself that much. But what was interesting to me about it conceptually was I wanted to be able to see a book that I can consciously interact with. We talked on a previous show about whether or not media is really as passive or active as people think it is. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of choices. Mm -hmm. The show, I mean, the entire sub theme of the show is, you know, Colin even explains to you, you know, you don't really have choices. This is, you know, it's all, you know, there's infinite paths, there's infinite realities, but they lead in certain ways. And it's trying to make this metafictional statement on the illusion of choice. You know, Stefan thinks he's an autonomous person, but really there's a God that is a right. viewer controlling him. Again, but, audible eye roll. Yeah. But then since they didn't write the entire decision, tree out why can't you go why can't you worship um pax because stefan hasn't coded that yet and there's a lot of you know dead ends in the narrative where it just makes you go back the other way mm -hmm. because because there is no coding of no i'm just going to take my pills and work here and write a job you know right yeah. thing and have the nice yeah. boring happy life like that's what hannah wanted yes i want yes right I did. and actually like too but honestly like even like not even just like giving him a happy life and i despite not having watched a lot of Black Mirror like other people, but I, I knew the genre, so I kind of knew what I was getting into. But the, you know, makers of the show have even said, oh, well, actually the sugar puff, like cereal choice would have been more significant, but like we just ended up having to drop things. So like they literally dropped a bunch of like their decision tree things, which you see depending on mm -hmm. what would you watch throughout the show are the problems that Stefan runs into when he's trying to make Bandersnatch as complicated as he is. Mm -hmm. And the show comments on that, which is right. As you said, yeah. as you said, eye rolling, but I was frustrated by if this is really an interactive show, if you're going to call attention to the fact that I'm interacting with it, because I believe you're interacting with all media, as I said, on the media addiction show, I think that even if you're just watching a brain dead movie, I think that you're interacting with it on a very emotional level. Yeah. There's a theorist, Wolfgang Eiser, who argues exactly that, that with any narrative, there are three pieces and that's the content, the media and the receiver. And the receiver. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, a few people do that. Then, uh, I mean, does it, there's a lot of, you know, of, yeah. of arguments that say that. And that's part of where my version of literary theory goes. And we don't need to go into it. But like my, yep. no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I think it's I think it's fine because what makes Bandersnatch special is it's calling attention to the fact that I am absorbing this media with choice. I have choices here and then it fucking takes a while, a lot of them away from me. And I was irritated. I was mad at the show while I was well, watching and it. it. Wants to, and I think it's like, and it's, especially cause it wants, I think the thing that's annoying about black mirror, and I think this is part of the, because of the continuity of the rest of the show is sort of like the struggle that like Hannah had. And I think that, and that I had too, is it only wants to lock you into bad decisions mm -hmm. because I think this is part of the, like one of the reasons I kind of dislike black mirror as a whole is going back to the thing we talked about at the beginning is it, it glorifies cynicism mm -hmm. to such a degree that it completely forecloses the possibility of curiosity. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's all dystopian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Well, like, yeah. Cause like Wayne, you've said, you said a couple of times, it's like, Oh, well, how does this resolve? Like, this is an interesting, like what happens if you do this? It, mm-hmm. They resolve right. nothing. But no, but here's, here's my, 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 I have a question though. If they're taking away my choices, right? Colin seems aware within the, with the, and we just to tie things together with this early in the show, within the digesis of the show, Colin seems aware that he's in a world with alternate possibilities. He mm-hmm. talks to you in a way that he is metafictionally not quite fourth wall breaking, but he is aware of the possibility of alternate realities yeah. in the context of the show and of decision trees affecting everything. And he tells you that. And then you can't make every decision. So this is where I want to go with staff here. There's a question of free will as a viewer to affect the narrative that's taken away from me because they have a story they want to tell me. So is the show raising a question of does free will even exist by giving me the illusion of choice without actual choices? It forces me down the path that it wants me to go down. Oh, do you want to do LSD with Colin or do you want to skip doing LSD with Colin? And it doesn't matter because you're doing LSD with Colin regardless of what you pick. Do you want to follow the go to the psychologist or do you want to not or do you want to follow Colin? Eventually you're going to up at the psychologist it doesn't matter what you pick like everything forces you back onto the path so is it saying that free will doesn't exist well there he he kind of said that he was using the pac-man game as a metaphor he's like you you go up and down all these different pathways and even when you go off the board you just come back in another place and do the same thing Mm -hmm. over again so he's kind of telling you that that yeah you know, you can you can pick the pathways, but you end up back in the same yeah, place. I guess I, I don't think this is a psychological explanation to your point, no. but um, I think that there is probably like you said, you interact. Psychologists have theories about that, too. The reader has a knowledge base. They interpret the text through that knowledge base. Mm-hmm. But I think that's sort of what's going on here is that like I in in addition to not really playing many like role playing games, I I wasn't actually really aware of books that the choose your own adventure type books. I was very deprived, come to think of it. Um, <laughs> I think what everyone's doing here is kind of comparing, maybe implicitly comparing or explicitly to actually comparing how they experienced Bandersnatch to how they've would they've come to anticipate or expect someone with respect wrote, to those. And you, you want to see you and you expect technology to progress and step up and allow you to do more and more sophisticated things, which I think there might be some disappointment. <laughs> well, it does less. It's less that it is the most boring choose your own adventure you book ever. Mm-hmm. It's only neat because it's like on you, a computer. You can let the yeah. run out. Well, I think see, that's interesting, though, because the thing about the plot of many of the Black Mirror episodes is basically exactly what Steph is talking about is the idea that like, oh, technology allows us to progress and all these things. And isn't that great? And Black Mirror is like, no, it's horrible. And in a weird way, they've kind of like inadvertently enacted that on their own show is that they've like tried to use like, oh, look at we have the streaming platform. Look at all the cool things we can do. And actually, they weren't able to actually even create something that was as good as like Zork. old school. It's like, not as good as Zork. But you know, but you know, to that <laughs> no. point, Katya, and and actually the 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 doubt that I had in the choice that I made to to turn it off was that I wasn't giving Black Mirror a lot of credit. Uh, and it has not earned that much credit, I think is what we're all agreeing. <laughs> except yeah, it has its moments. Yes, except for its moments. Like I was ruling out the possibility or the likelihood that Stefan was going to have a San Junipero ending. Or was going right. to have a McAllister ending. The few no idea what either of those the, things. The mean. few no, Black Mirror episodes, episodes of Black Mirror. 
Yeah, that don't end oh, okay. darkly. That actually end <laughs> with with some degree of optimism. And I think that I, if I yeah. knew that there was even the possibility, a one in twelve, a one in thirty two, a one in sixty four possibility of one of a positive outcome, then I might have felt not only licensed to play, but that there was an element of free will. I think I've said this, I've said this a couple of times, but for like episodes like Shen Junipero and some of the other episodes about Black Mirror that I do enjoy, it's not even that there has to be an optimistic ending. Some of the ones I like do enjoy, I'm trying to think of them, but I of course can't remember the titles, are still dark, but they allow you to be curious about what's possible. And mm-hmm. that is absent in, from Bandersnatch, I think even more so than some of the worst episodes of ba- Black Mirror. Mm. Like this is such a banal story when you when you actually sit down and look at the narrative that they created, aside from all of the gimmicky stuff, it's such a banal story. Because I think one of the things about the Two Your Own Adventure novels is no matter what story path you chose, there was an interesting story and there were surprises and there were things you didn't expect or whatever. Like I'm just thinking of like the old like... What were the old like horror series that was like choose your own adventure? Goosebumps. What's it called? It was Is it Goosebumps. Goosebumps. Yes. Those were so great. But like, and this one is like, is so frustrating because, and to me, this is a designer flaw, not a player flaw. And there's so many points, like there was this point where you kind of get throughout the, the show, these sort of like video game reviews of Bandersnatch, which seem to be like commentary on how well you've played. And like the one of the ones I got was like more of a curiosity value at best, must try harder. And I'm like, this is how I feel about this show. Yes. Because, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. you yeah. if you had built this on a story that was good and you actually had a meaningful story tree, the the sort of gimmick of the form of this would have been really interesting. The problem is you relied on the gimmick to make a good story when there wasn't a good story there. Because if you, I can't get as a player, if in 37 decisions, I can't get to an interesting ending, that's not my fault as the player, as the show seems to yeah. suggest that it is. Also, that is a design uh, flaw. It's just mm-hmm. yeah. really kind of a shallow show. Like, I, I feel like to fully be even semi-satisfied, you need to play through five or six endings to see, like, like all the things that they've set up in puzzles. And, but, oh, but even to me, that's oh, a, no, that that is a design flaw. I know, I'm not saying you should do it. I'm saying it's bad. I'm saying it's shallow. Like, um, (laughs) even the name Bandersnatch, which uh, Bandersnatch comes from, and here's why I mentioned Lewis Carroll at the beginning, it comes from Lewis Carroll's um, Through the Looking Glass and his poem, The Hunting of the Snark, and the Bandersnatch is kind of this mysterious, like, fast, monstrous creature. And He's Fermius, I understand. Like, there's there's also, like, you know, in uh, Bandersnatch Netflix show, Colin... Not Colin, sorry, Stefan, whatever. They're all the same. They have no characterization. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, he has a, you know, he has a rabbit toy that's like important to his backstory. So there's like all these like references to Alice in Wonderland, but they don't add up to anything. They don't mean mm-hmm. anything. They're just kind of like throwaway things to like be like, look at I'm smart. Look, literary mm-hmm. people. Yeah. yeah. Which is. So many of the episodes of Black Mirror. Yeah. The looking looking glass of Black Mirror. Yeah. But do they get the last laugh here in that we're talking about it? I mean, they got the eyeballs, right? They got whatever bandwidth spike they wanted. And even if we're saying this did not go well, they can roll out something 
better. Well, I'm, they I'm, they participated I mean, in bandwidth snatch. I think yeah. the thing, though, <laughs> is if it weren't for the fact we were like, bandersnatched. I mean, I think that's true to a certain extent, but I think the other thing is like, so if it weren't for the fact that we were recording a podcast on this, I wouldn't have watched it. Oh, yeah. Neither would I. I wouldn't have either. Right. Yeah. It's that yeah. I, I don't know. And I actually, I don't know anybody who has watched it other than basically people on this episode. Oh, like, I, just, like personally oh, I know a lot of people who have. My sister watched no, it. I know, I know a lot of people who have. Yeah. So am I the only yes. person that actually liked it? Yes. Well, well on this show. But I, no, I, I know on this show, yeah. yeah there are some people no. that have enjoyed it, but... Yeah, I know a lot of people I think, liked like it. The, I think, but I think, like, the reviews are very mixed, and I think Steph's, like, premise that it has to do on your previous media sort of, like, interests, I think is right. Because, like, the, some of the reviews that I've seen that are written by gamers are just sort of like, eh, this is really boring. Video games have been doing this since the 80s, as the show <laughs> itself acknowledges. Mm-hmm. It's always an interaction. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I think that's that becomes a weird I mean, statistical interaction. Well, <laughs> I well, I, th- I actually think that's a big part of the show because I am convinced, and I don't know this, I can't prove this, but you know, I mean, Katya, on previous episodes, we've made the joke about how, like, I always talk about how you know, leave us reviews because no one knows how iTunes algorithms work, and you pointed out, you know how algorithms work. It's like I know I design software, I know how algorithms work too, <laughs> but um, but I expect that. Netflix is tracking everyone's decisions. So, Mav, are you are you suggesting ultimately that Bandersnatch was data mining us? I think it absolutely is. No, this is even so much better. Well, we know Netflix has made TV shows based like their own content based on what people have chosen to watch. Yeah, yeah. The Christmas movies we were talking about were built like that. They yeah. ha- they know what to build into the formula. And what I love about that theory, Mav, is that basically mm-hmm. it's like Black Mirror has now become full circle. It has become mm-hmm. the thing it likes to be cynical about. It has become right. the thing it wants to judge and all of this is. And it's basically become this. It's yeah, it's become the whole like it's become exactly what it wants to demonize about Internet culture and modern culture and media culture and everything else. Like mm-hmm. and this is and, and that really is what I find so annoying about this. The, the series is it wants to be cynical about a thing that it is the absolute epitome of. <laughs> yeah. Netflix is absolutely epitome of Internet culture. And it doesn't exist without it. Right. It's Netflix. <laughs> That's a, they had, right. a, they had an actual what? episode about that in their first season. They had an episode where someone is opposing the system, right? Wants to upturn mm-hmm. the system. And The first he, season of Black Mirror? Yes. And, and he well, yeah. Black Mirror started on... But Black Mirror didn't start on Netflix, though. It started on Channel 4, and, well, and it wasn't a Netflix show. Well, I, I, I'm just saying that uh, when I was first exposed to it, and it was through well, Netflix. Well, no, but I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, because I, I, I don't know the show, I'm wondering if it's possible that Netflix, that Black oh. Mirror was commenting on things like Netflix, and then Netflix just bought it and said, no, mm-hmm. fuck you, you're going to be with us. One of us, one of <laughs> us. I mean, that kind probably. Of thing. Go. <laughs> so not only has Black Mirror solved nothing, but... <laughs> Neither of we. I, I, just, I, I, I have to throw this out here. The, this is just this is apropos of nothing in the show except for my own weird other obsessions. Here's the thing that annoyed me most about the show. Yes, when we first meet Colin, he's wearing a T-shirt of the the punk band the birthday party the birthday party was one of nick cave's first band the birthday party was loud and in your face and obnoxious and confront confrontational and when he takes off his headphones he's listening to fucking casual goo goo from that point on i had a really tough time taking the entire thing seriously well, i think that is exactly the correct response right? uh, because, yeah because pretty much anybody who was aware of the birthday party enough to be wearing a t-shirt of pleasure heads must must burn 
would not be listening to Kaja Gugu in 1984. So that's that's my. Problem. So I think what we resolved here. Flock of seagulls bands. Yes. Uh, so I think we resolved that we should have just read Alice in Wonderland instead. Let's <laughs> play any video game ever. No, well, it, it, can, it can work. It's a simpler story, but uh, again, and I know only Hannah and I watched it, but Puss in Book is, it's so adorable. So it play was that, great. Or if you don't like games where they're stressful, play Stardew Valley. It's very soothing. My bunny farm is going very well. Okay. So, well, Thank you to Dave and Stephanie for joining us and, and resolving nothing, but at least, <laughs> um, Steph, I hope you weren't too put off by in your enjoyment of the show. I, I told oh, Steph ahead of time my, that she'd be the only person yeah, who actually My joy liked was it. crushed. That was just a reference to Hannah's sister. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, Steph, did it spark joy? Oh God! Oh, no. Are no. we going to have some Harry Potter joy? Now? That's kind of a strong term. But. Well, actually, I'm I'm curious because Steph, you Steph enjoyed it, and, that, and that's why yeah, I figured yeah, out because once I realized that everybody on the show was not a fan, I was like, well, I need somebody to actually yeah, defend it. So I was I, the token. So, um, <laughs> but. I'm wondering, Dave, did you actually enjoy it in that you Kobayashi marooned it? I mean, did, did you, I mean, you found a way to beat the game that's supposed to be unbeatable. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, um, I, I was I, I didn't reveal that like in the article itself uh, because mm-hmm. I, I already got accused of like virtue signaling with the article, which mm-hmm. was not my intent at all. I just wanted to offer an alternate experience. But as people have been coming back and saying they didn't like it or this or I'm all caught up in this or oh they tricked me again I'm like oh I'm so glad I dodged that yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. nice I'm going to waste my time on something else and I waste my time on a number of ridiculous things that are terrible for me so uh, this is is a high point (laughs) to that week Another episode. It's also so funny when people are like you're getting criticized for virtue signaling about a show that's all about virtue signaling. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> but yeah, thank you both. And um, yeah, well, Dave, if people want to follow you and fun things like this article, where would they find you online? Uh, best ways through probably through Twitter. I'm at A.D. Lewis, L-E-W-I-S on Twitter. All right, and you'll be linked in the show notes. Stephanie? Um, I don't really have anything to, <laughs> to advertise Stephanie here. Stephanie is an enigma. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, if I have a, a good paper that's published or something, I'll let you know. Yeah. And well, in about 30 seconds, I'm going to ask Wayne and he's going to say the same thing. But first, Hannah. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hanley Rogers. And Katya. I'm on Instagram at just that nerd kid. And Wayne, where will people find you? My my blog is there. I, I, I posted another one this weekend. So that's two in the last three weeks yes wayne has had two posts in the last three weeks yeah. he's also had two posts in the last six months yeah turns- that's true, <laughs> no. that's true. As, it out. as it turns out hey man progress way. baby steps yeah uh, yeah no i i i have a lot of mav and i've talked about this my blog i've been i've had it up since like 2011 and i have lots of posts and i somehow managed to get like three thousand hits a month that i can't figure out uh, <laughs> yeah because i haven't written anything since last april but somehow you know i kept averaging okay. three thousand hits a month so That's okay yeah. yeah thank thank you for reading me i think yeah, yeah brag there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, i don't need to write to be to be read. I, <laughs> 
Uh, but anyway, that that's that's the best place to read my stuff. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show on Twitter at Vox Popcast. You can follow my blog at www.chrismaverick.com or the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to us on iTunes or I don't know Spotify, uh, wherever you get podcasts. Yeah, yeah, we're on Stitcher. I don't know. We're on lots of places. And write us a review. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That helps other people find the show and makes me happy. And obviously, I need that in my life. I'm writing a dissertation. It's very lonely and depressing. I'm also pretty sure at this point, the first person that leaves this five-star review, Mav will, like, send you candy, booze, no. we, we already have. We already have one. We read it on the show. We'll, we'll oh, read we it on the show again. Yeah, we have, we have okay. one. I must yeah. say. <laughs> yep. Was it from uh, a relative, though? No, no, no. My relatives don't love me enough. To- <laughs> my mom, my mom listened to the show for the first time last week because Aww. Stephanie was on it. <laughs> that seems about right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I would like to once again thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song that is playing us out right now building ever so more epically as we close out the show and i'd like to once again thank both dave and stephanie for being on the show thanks guys i was forced into it <laughs> you were not who, who made that decision no, for you by some higher power by some power <laughs> I haven't, yeah, I, I, I I'm push somewhere in the universe yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for you having s- me Mav. yeah you survived yeah. <laughs> and stuff thanks for you thanks okay. to you too sure. thanks Steph. Uh, and i would like to I would like to thank you for listening at home and hopefully you join us next time. Follow us on Twitter, the blog, whatever, and let us know your thoughts. Thanks and goodbye. Bye. Do you have anything like that? Okay, great. Well, let's hear it. New York's hottest club is taste. (laughs) Nightlife designer Tranny Griffith is back with an all-new club that answers the question, huh? Don't look for a bouncer. There isn't one. Instead, the door is guarded by 10 jacked homeless guys in old-fashioned bathing suits. (laughs) And inside, it's just sick. Ice sculptures, winos, germs. Germs? German Smurfs. Of course.